2: Free dessert for life at homeshef.com slash locked on. That's homeshef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life, homeshef.com slash locked on. Must be an active subscriber to receive
1: free dessert.
0: On today's Locked On Thunder podcast, we're gonna dive into that frustrating loss against the Charlotte Hornets on Thursday. What we've learned about the Thunder since losing Pokashevsky and Jeremiah Robinson Earl and how the Thunder can counteract these losses with their rotation. We'll talk about it all on Locked On Thunder Podcast, on Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Let's get it going on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, meeting member, and editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at Lothunderpod. Email the show, Lothunderpod at gmail.com. On today's show, we're going to dive into that frustrating, frustrating loss against the Charlotte Hornets. What went wrong without Poku, without JRE, and how this Thunder team can try to bounce back from this, and how they lost this game in disappointing fashion to the Hornets. So, a lot to dive into today. Let's start, of course, with the show being brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this year with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. We start that we always do with our game overview. Chet Holmgren, Usman Jang, Poku, Jerry, all out. Lindy Waters was on a G, the assignment, and Darius Baisley did not play. So the Thunder were down a lot of players and a lot of impactful players, and this was the first game that we saw the Thunder play without having Chet, Poku, or Jerry, so without having a center at all. like The Thunder are already operating as a small team this year, uh, but they're extremely small without those three players. And then Usman Jang also hurt that it, that hurts a lot as well. Uh for the Thunder starters, it was SGA, Josh Giddy, Lou Dort, and then both Jalen Williams. And that was the same five players that had the most minutes in this game. So how did the Thunder lose this game? And it, and it was a very frustrating loss. Because when you're heading into this game, it was just announced that OKC was going to be on national television to the public, released a podcast yesterday talking about how they were going to be on national television, how important that is. Go back and listen to yesterday's podcast about that discussion. Uh, So you're going to be on national television again on January 10th against the Heat. You're a game out of the play in with a really good strength of schedule coming up where the Thunder uh, are rated as like the sixth lowest strength of schedule. And the Timberwolves are fading a bit. The Warriors don't have Steph Curry. You're only a game out and you're playing the Hornets and this should be another win, right? Right. Wrong. Tough game to lose in Charlotte. Mark Williams goes off, 7 for 7, 17 points, 13 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals, 2 blocks. The Hornets missed 2 shots at the rim. Yeah, they missed 2 shots at the rim all game long. The Hornets were a plus 10 points in the paint. They had 66 points in the paint, but it felt like they had a lot more. Uh, the Hornets were also a plus 9 in fast break with 15 fast break points. OKC had eight more second-chance points, but the but the Hornets were plus 11 in the rebounding column. OKC had five fewer turnovers than the Hornets. However, the Hornets had more points off of those turnovers, 22 to 13. OKC shot 42, 30, and 85. The Hornets, their big difference maker is shooting 54% from the floor. They only shot one percentage better than you from three, and at the free-throw line, they shot a dreadful 65% but they just could not miss from the floor because they were dominating so well inside. The Hornets had seven players in double figures. The Mellow Ball had 27 points, 10 rebounds, 9 assists, a steal, 2 blocks, shot 60% from the floor, 50% from three on 10 attempts. P.J. Washington had 25, Plumlee had 14. We talked about Williams earlier. The Thunder lost this game because they didn't play perfect. And the Thunder shows you their margin of victory and their margin of error is very, very thin. Now, whenever I point out what went wrong, this is not an indictment on these players forever or or a, a terrible thing that they've done. It's just with the way that this roster is constructed, with the way that this team has to try one win games, everybody has to be perfect. And so whenever Lou Dort does not defend up to his standards, does not defend at an elite level against LaMelo Ball, you're going to lose. When Isaiah Joe only shoots one for four from three, and that's the only impact he makes offensively, despite having uh, two plays down the stretch of this game drawn up for him at a timeout and had wide-open looks that he missed, you're going to lose this game. You know, when, Whenever the Thunder are missing Jeremiah, Robinson, Earl, Poku, and Chet and have no rim protection, you're going to lose this game. They lacked execution on offense. They were missing some great looks. They did not have those energy-giving plays and those hustle plays that you're used to. They missed a few too many long rebounds that they need to corral just due to their lack of size. You have to get those ones because you can't always bang bodies down low. And the biggest thing is that they had a formula, but they didn't follow it. It's like having a great recipe, but you missed a step. So yeah, the first half was back and forth. But by halftime, thanks to a buzzer beater three by Muscala, the Thunder led the game at halftime. Anytime the Thunder lead a game going into the break, it's a win. It's a massive win. Because you factor in that they're the best team in the third quarter in the NBA. And so if they can lead at the, at the halftime mark, and then they dominate the third quarter, then it comes down to surviving those non-SGA minutes up into the seven-minute mark, and then going from there in the fourth quarter. However, you held the lead at halftime, and then you got beat in the third quarter 28-24, to and you lost the fourth quarter 36-29. That's the difference. It was all in front of you. Like you, 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 had your perfect storm. You had the Hornets right where you wanted them on the road, and it didn't come to fruition. It didn't. It didn't happen for you. There were eight lead changes, seven ties. You came back from down ten points. The Hornets grew a ten-point lead, and OKC never had their lead go past three. And the Thunder lose one twenty-one to one thirteen. This is yet another game that OKC wants back. The Pelicans game last week where you battle back from down 20 points and lead by 8 in the fourth quarter and still lose in overtime. You want that one back. They didn't have BI, they didn't have Zion. You want this one back in Charlotte. A bad, bad, bad Hornets team. That outplays you in every facet yesterday. This was a bad Kenny Hustle game. This was a bad Aaron Wiggins game. This was a bad Muscala game. This was a bad Jaywell will game. This was a bad Isaiah Joe game. This was a bad Eugenio Marui game in four minutes. He didn't play Basley. And so again, it's not an indictment on these players specifically because everyone is warranted to have an off night. Everyone is is granted and is going to have an off night. You have to plan for these nights, right? Like There's going to be five or ten nights a year where your guys just do not have it for whatever the reason. There's going to be five or ten nights a year where your guys play so far above their skill level, it's unbelievable. And then, what do you do in the middle? What do you what do you do, you know, in the middle of those two extremes? It just so happened that you got those extremes where you had a bad Kenny game, you had a bad Wiggins game, you had a bad Muscala game, you had a bad Isaiah Joe game, all on the same night. You had a bad Lou Dort defensive game. Like for Lou Dort standards, he did not play up to his standards on the defensive end against the Lamella Ball. Going under screens early on, letting him get hot and comfortable, shooting the ball, like by Lou Dort standards, he didn't have a good game, and and, and that could be for any reason. Just wasn't ready to play today. Uh, Mark said on Tuesday he was under the weather. Maybe he's still under the weather to this point. You know that's that's pretty common to be under the weather for three straight days, and it's not a long term indictment on anybody, but it's it's why you lost this game because for the thunder they don't have the the horses they don't have the depth they don't have the experience to overcome whenever half the roster is not playing well and it's unfair it's unfair to the players but they have to play perfect every night if they want to win and so they can still play competitive they can still have fun games this was this was still a competitive game to watch but they can't win it unless they play perfect unless they execute they didn't do that and it all set up for them to execute. Like I said, leading at halftime, should have had a great third quarter like always. But one little kind of detour from what you're used to, like the third quarter thing, not, you know, losing the third quarter, that little detour was enough to throw off the winning calibrations for OKC because of the stage of the team that they're in. And now... You have an unexpected loss in terms of the standings watch. And we've mentioned that January 16th will be judgment day for this roster and for this team and kind of seeing where they're at. This was not calculated in the plans for that. You've got to make well, you got to make a couple up now because you, you dropped that to the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, that should have continued your winning streak. You dropped this to uh, the Hornets that should have extended it. I mean, if you don't blow that fourth quarter lead, Against New Orleans, you're on a one, two, three, four, five game winning streak, and then this would be six if you took care of business in, in Charlotte. So now you got to steal a couple. Going to play Philadelphia on New Year's Eve. Who knows what they're going to what their situation will be because Philly will be on the second night of back to back. Who will they play on the second night of back to back and on a holiday? Who will they play in OKC? Uh, play Boston. Two tough games. This can easily be a three game losing streak. This can easily be where you lose. Uh, you know, four of your last five. And then the day after you play Boston, you fly to Orlando and play a, a surging magic team. Then come back home and be and beat Washington should take care of this against Washington. And then Dallas, Miami now on, now on TNT, that Miami game. And then you have Philadelphia again in Philly, Chicago again uh, in Chicago and then at Brooklyn. So you, so you're judging them January 16th on how they handle this stretch. And that, Philadelphia game, like we know, Saturday's out for Jerry and Poco. That Philadelphia game in Philly is on the twelfth. That's what, you know, a week from a week from Saturday or two weeks from Saturday. If Jeremiah Robinson Earl is still a ways away and not moving like a basketball player yet, according to Mark, he he won't be able to play. You know, ten days from Saturday or whatever it'll be, twelve days, I guess. So you're going to have to weather the storm of Joel and Embiid against no bigs twice. This was a—it's an awful time for the injuries, no matter when they happen. But this is a really awful time for the injuries. Whenever you're about to take, take on Embiid twice, you know you're about to play Porzingis, you're about to play Bam. You're going to play Christian Wood, who's playing excellent. Nick Claxton's going to feast. Like, it's going to be tough. And we'll see where this, where this record looks like here on January 16th. But I do still think that this team will play fun, competitive basketball. And in this season, that's kind of what it's all about, despite wins or despite losses. And with this team, they've kind of always done the opposite of conventional wisdom in the sense of, you know, we think, okay, right off this game against the Hornets, they're going to beat the Hornets. Right off this game against the Rockets, they're going to beat the Rockets. Right off this game against the Pistons, they're going to go to Detroit and beat the Pistons. We think that, then they lose, and then we think, boy, it'd be really something if you could just somehow eke out a split against Portland in, in the baseball series. They sweep Portland. You know, they, they've had wins like that where it's unexpected wins. You know, they've beaten Dallas in overtime in Dallas. You know, beating Toronto, beating New York. You know, in New York. They've had these wins where it didn't look like they'd be able to do it. They didn't have Gideon SG against Memphis, and they beat Memphis. Of course, Shaw got ejected, so that helped matters. So they've lost some games they shouldn't. They've won some games that they, on paper, shouldn't. So they could come out Saturday and have a whole new identity defensively, playing some sort of uh, trapping and, and zone defense on the low block on Embiid or whatever, and it could work to perfection. And they might beat Embiid. Who knows? This team is still going to be very much worth watching, and so don't let this one frustrating game sway you. But these are the reasons why things did not break their way on Thursday. Coming up, let's talk about how great Josh Giddey was. Let's talk about uh, Jay Will's first extended run in the NBA. But first, I want to say right now, a good friends over at NHTSA. So you're all of some friends. You put a few back. And a few become a few too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think, i calling for a ride. But nah, you live nearby. You can make it home. It's no big deal. What's the odds that you get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up. You lose your license. You lose your job. You total your car. You kill someone. Everyone knows about the risk of driving drunk. The results are tragic and oftentimes deadly. However, that still does not stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So, if you think you're okay to drive for a few, after a few drinks, think again. Plan it safe and plan ahead. Get a ride. It's only one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen. Every single morning, every single day, we're here for you, talking Thunder basketball for your next listen. Check out the Lockdown Sports Today podcast. They have you covered for everything around the world of sports in 30 minutes or less every single day. But Josh Giddy was excellent today. I mean, 21 minutes, I should say 21 points, 10 rebounds, seven on the defensive end, cleaning up that, that area down low. Three assists, should have had like 10 assists, the way he was passing the ball. Just guys could not come through with, with buckets. He had a steal, only had three turnovers. There was a few areas that really impressed me. Let's circle back to the rebounding. The rebounding stuff was great, and he's been doing this all year long. But a Thunder team that has no bigs in general, and then loses Poku, and then loses JRE, it's even more so important. You need Josh Giddy to end possessions by scrapping for rebounds, by tapping them out to his teammates, by going and soaring in and getting them by corralling long ones, you know, off of a, a care and miss. You need Josh Giddy to help you in possessions. He's a lengthy, uh, smart player that understands the trajectory of where the ball is going to come off the rim. Like, it's a really intense skill to have, that rebounding knack. And Josh Giddy has it. He understands how to use his body to go up and, and contest for rebounds without getting loose ball fouls. Like, he's really good at it. And that's been one of the best best skill sets that Thunder have had. There's been many close games where Josh Kiddy saves the game and you do not win the game without Josh Kiddie creating a possession by going up there hard and getting a rebound or saving a possession and giving you another shot at life by corralling a terrible miss you know, on the offensive end and giving you a second chance to look. He's been doing it all year. And it was really impressive in this one because in this one, he had absolutely no help in terms of like guys down there that can actually box out or take up a body or take up attention as a seven footer, like poke is going to draw some attention down there around the rim. Uh, There wasn't really anyone there to to draw away attention at the rim this time. And he still got 10 rebounds, seven on the defensive end and kind of made, he made it happen in this one. And he has all season long. Uh, What I really like from him in general, especially in this game is that he attacks downhill, really gets down there as an aggressive, but poised driver The floater was working for him, but it was also more um, contact initiating too from him where he took the contact, handled it very well, got to the free throw line, and was able to shoot seven times at the line. And as I've said all since I've taken over this podcast, like the difference in your scoring tier, whether you're a five-point per game score, 10-point per game score, 15-point per game score, 20, and so on and so forth, is how much you get to the free throw line. He got there seven times, the same amount as SGA yesterday, and he knocked down uh, all seven of them. That is exactly what you're looking for when you're looking at Josh Giddey's scoring upside and 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 how it improves is by getting to the free throw line whenever you get downhill. And then defenses are off balance. If, you, if you're attacking downhill so strong like Josh Giddey can, are you going to pull up shy of the defender and pull up shy of the contact with, contact with the floater? Are you going to barrel into the defender and try to draw that contact and go to the free throw line. Are you going to do a mixture of, of where you're attacking hard, but then you pull up at the very last second and lob it up to a rolling big whenever the Thunder eventually can add those guys that can do that to this team. There's going to be so many possibilities for this team uh, to thrive with Josh Giddy on the floor. And he's been really excellent in December and just continues that stretch. He'll have one more game in December. We'll see if December Giddy can continue uh, on uh, Saturday. Now, in this game, I want to talk about j Will, his first extended minutes as an NBA player. So, Jay Will has played predominantly in the G League. Tuesday he played against the against the Sioux Falls Skyforce. I was there sitting at the scores table to witness history for j Will's first career triple-double. He was he's been excellent in the G League, excellent. And I know that you know, ninety nine point nine 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 percent of fans don't watch G League games, don't care about them. They might see a highlight on social media, might see a repost of a score graphic, but but beyond the triple double, he was just really good in the G League. In this game, first career start, he goes zero for five, five rebounds or ten rebounds or whatever, uh, and an assist and a block. You know, he just did not play up to his standards. And it did not play up to his ability in the G League, so to say. Like, the the G League stuff didn't translate. And so with Jay Will, who had 10 rebounds, I I just think that for him, it was a lot of nerves. It was a lot of the game going too fast, needing to slow down. Because he got 10 rebounds and assists a block, but the game was moving too fast for him. He had five fouls, but he can do it. In the G League, he showed such better body positioning than what he showed you on Thursday. He did a much better job of walling up at the rim without fouling than he did on Thursday. He set harder screens than he did on Thursday. He created more space in the offensive end, both as a passer and a facilitator, which you saw a, a glimpse of on his one-assisted train Man in the fourth quarter. You saw a glimpse of that, but it was more. It was every possession that he like Every possession, he would be creating space with these dribble handoffs, with these screens, with his gravity as a, as a, a high-post playmaker. And I truly believe that a lot of it was just nerves, timid, overthinking the game. I'll never know that for a fact. Like I I, I wasn't in Charlotte to ask him after the game or I don't know if he was even available after the game, but I, I wasn't there to ask him. And, you know, it's a tough question to ask anyway, but it just seemed like it was nerves because he can play a lot better. And like the stuff that he can do better has is independent of what's happening on the floor. He understands where to be positioned on the positions on the floor. He just wasn't there yesterday. And I think it was a lot of that, the game moved too fast, he was too nervous, kind of trying to adjust to the speed and size that, you know, the NBA brings versus the G League. And I think that he'll be better as each game goes on. I think that he'll settle in. I think that he can be a really good backup big man in this league. Now, the problem is the confidence thing, right? So you go out there, it's your first time getting extended run. You get 24 minutes of true action, and like like non-garbage time. This is your action, and you wasn't very good. Now, Joel Embiid comes to town. Life gets no easier whenever you're guarding Joel Embiid. So that can be a very bad game, no matter what J-Will does. Like, J-Will might play perfect defense, and Joel Embiid might have 30 points. So on paper, you view that as a very bad game. And then does your confidence starts to spiral at that point, the Thunder can't afford to lose Jay will They need all the help that they can get down there. But I really believe that after this game, I would I would assume the message to Jay will today and, and tomorrow morning, before they game against Philadelphia was, hey, we believe in you. We saw what you could do in the G League. Just go do that. Don't try to do too much. Don't try to be somebody that you're not, but just relax. And it just did not seem like he was relaxed against... Uh, Uh, Charlotte hopefully he plays better because he can and and you'll see it whenever he does and we'll see how he handles Joel Embiid but I think that the most interesting part about this game was that the Thunder were so bad at at paint defense at room deterrence at just defense in general and Mark tried J-Will didn't have a great game Mark tried Muscala didn't have a good game Mark tried Wiggins didn't have a good game Mark tried Omarui, didn't have a good game in four minutes. Uh, Mark tried Kenny Hustle, didn't play well. Like, this was the the first, like, non-good Kenny Hustle game. There's no other options, and he doesn't try Baisley. The Hornets missed two shots at the rim. Baisley's an elite-level defender, and they didn't try Baisley. They can switch one through five. And I get it, Baisley's not good offensively, but this team was not really in a groove offensively at all. So why not try it for his defense? As they did... That first time that the, that the Spurs came to OKC, so not Tuesday, but the time before that, that the Spurs came to OKC, the Spurs were dicing through the lane. They were they were carving up the Thunder in the paint. They were scoring at Willa Thurman in the first half. Second half, Basley comes out there and plays a, a chunk of minutes and, and gets the Thunder back on track. He could have done that again against Charlotte. This is yet another sign to me that it's over for Basley in Oklahoma City. And the Thunder want it to be over. Basley wants it to be over, I'm sure. And it's just time to see what he can do at a, at a change of scenery. Because if you're not going to go to Darius Baisley in this game, when you have no answers, you have no other answers to defend at the rim and to defend the Hornets at all. You know, The, the worst offense in the NBA uh, put up 121 points on you. You have no answers for what the Hornets are doing. Specifically down low you have your springy, athletic, elite-level defender by the numbers, and Basley sitting on the bench getting another DNP CD. then you're never going to try him. There's never going to be a scenario that he fits better to getting minutes. You don't have Poku. You don't have Jerry. You don't have Chet Holmgren. You don't have Usman Chang. Every other big that you played was not playing good. There will never be another perfect storm that results in basely minutes than what we saw Thursday, and Thursday resulted in zero minutes. And so, you know, it can continue to be said that, you know, that's just part of how they operate. They're just trying to get minutes to everybody. That You know, there's been times where Wiggins didn't play. There's been times where Eugene didn't play. There's been times where Muscala didn't play. That can continue to be said. And they can continue to switch it up where Saturday, Basley might play 20 minutes. And there's a good, good, good chance that Saturday against Embiid, Basley will play 15 minutes or whatever, and, and we'll try to all recant what we've said today about Basley, But no matter what, it's over because you needed this win in terms of keeping the positive momentum going. You, you were a game back at the play in. Uh, you know we've seen how obtainable it is to leap over Minnesota and to uh, try to leap over Utah if they start fading and try to leap over the Warriors without without Curry. And you got that that huge boost of motivation or huge boost of like rejuvenation from your fan base for the national TV game. You needed this win in Charlotte against a bad team, and you didn't even try Baisley whenever you ran out of options of what to try. So whatever is said, or, or however many minutes he plays from now on, I think don't matter. I think that his time in Oklahoma City is over. I think that um, he will not be on this team next year. I said that last month as well, but this was just another another hit to to Baisley's career in OKC. Like I, I've been saying this for a couple weeks now. You can go back and find a podcast I did all about this topic about Basley not being an OKC next year, but Thursday solidified it. Like there is no more quabbling. There's no more what ifs. It's, it's over. It's simply over because you needed that win. You really needed it in terms of like, if you want to make this plan push, you didn't try Basley, which is like the only thing he can provide you is better rim protection, better defense than Jay will better defense than Omarui. And then better than what Kenny and Wiggins had at that specific night on that specific night, he could have been a better option. And he didn't go to him. So it's no longer like, oh, we're just working everybody in or there's still going to be moments for Basley. There's still going to be time for Basley. There's no more time. Independent of how many minutes he plays on Saturday, there's, it's over. It's over long-term for Basley. We'll talk coming up about Trey Mann, about SGA, and some more news and notes on this game coming up. But first, I want to tell you right now about our good friends over at Rocket Money. Folks, Rocket Money is incredible. There are good friends. And it's the same great company that you're used to under the name TrueBill, but now it just goes by Rocket Money. And what True does, which is now known as Rocket Money, it is an app that you plug in all your subscriptions to and you tell them uh, what you're subscribed to. So like Netflix, Hulu, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And you it lays it all out there for you. And then you tell them what apps you don't want anymore because we've all been there, right? We sign up for a, a seven-day free trial to read one article we sign up for a month trial to listen to one song or or watch one show, whatever the case is, and then we forget about it. We forget to turn off auto-renew. We forget that it's even an option for us that we even have the account at all, and it slips by us in the bank statements, right? And so you look up, and seven months have gone by, and they've charged you over $200. dollars you never watched the dang thing at all. They can catch those things at Truebill, which is now known as Rocket Money, so make sure you go over to Rocket Money right now and go there to rocketmoney.com slash That's rocketmoney.com slash Rocketmoney.com slash They can save you up to $72,000 quadruple million dollars. Not that much probably, to be honest with you. You probably have not racked up that many uh, streaming services over time, to be honest. But it can be like seven twenty. You know, it, it, they can save you. On average, like their average person that, that, that tries this platform out, they do save $720 per year. So that's a large chunk of change. So go over there right now to chuba.com slash LockedNBA, trooper.com slash Now go to rocketmoney.com slash LockedNBA.
3: No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house, house, or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming, or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So, switch to TurboTax, make your moves, they'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live.
0: We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. Let's continue talking about this game against Charlotte. Uh, I thought that this was Trey Mann's best game, and, and I know, it's, you're going to look at that and say one for nine, that, that can't be his best game. Uh, this season, though, it was all a good sign. 17 points, three rebounds, two assists. He had some electric plays at the rim, the poster dunk, the floaters, the the layups, the up and under moves, just everything about his play around the rim was electric. Uh, He just needs to find it from three. But here's the thing. He went one for nine from three, but he kept shooting. I tweeted this out last night. There was a play in the fourth quarter that really caught my eye last night. I tweeted it out about how SGA made this great behind-the-back pass to Trayman set up a wide open Trayman three, the the shot didn't go in, but the shot went up, and it's great on twofold. One, SGA trusts Trayman to take that shot after going one for eight to start the game. Two, Trayman trusts himself to shoot the shot, so he's got some of that confidence back. He's got some of that you know uh, groove back of I'm going to take this shot, I can make this shot, and so you like to see that. It was a really good game from Trayman. Let's talk SGA. 28 points, 5 assists, 3 rebounds, 2 steals, 47% from the floor. And, and, you know, like I said in the first segment, it's not fair. It's not fair and it's not um, right. I'm just saying, for the Thunder to win games this year, you need SGA to be elite, electric, and and, and unfair greatness each night. And 28 points on 47% shooting from the floor is really, 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 really good. But you needed excellent greatness to win this game against the Hornets. Because everyone else didn't do... Their part, there was not. They, they really missed their connector in Pokashevsky in the offensive end. They missed their complementary offensive weapons. The, the, those guys didn't step up, you know, on a complimentary piece. So those guys didn't step up, and then SGA tra- and, and then SGA didn't have an unworldly game. He just had a really, really, really good game, and so it results in a tough loss to Charlotte. But SGA was still awesome in this one. And he's still battling through. Uh, I think a few a few dings on the on the old car after that fall against New Orleans. Like you still see him kind of grabbing his back a little bit, it seems like, and he's wearing these huge pads to try to protect himself. Um, So credit to him for just gutting all that out. Uh, Also, some notes real quick. Lou Dort mentioned about the defense, but one thing that was great was the three-point shooting. Five of seven tonight, probably his best three-point shooting game of the year. Uh, And then Jalen Williams out of Santa Clara. He was really good. It's a lot of the same stuff, so we won't won't drag on about it. He just needs to shoot more. He needs to get more aggressive offensively. He needs to take over more. Um, as a player, Mark has said that. We've said that. Watching him as fans and media just needs to happen eventually. Uh, but one thing that has been really good for Jay Dub and we'll talk about this more, his elite-level putbacks. That is a true skill. That is hard to, to time of knowing where the ball is going to come off, knowing when to jump and, and to be able to get that putback down, and getting those points for your team. And Synergy grades him out as an excellent putback player. He gets 1.5 points per possession on those attempts. Great job for J. Dub, and he got another putback slam in this one, I believe off of a Lou Dort miss to, to set up the putback. About uh, the day it was OKC 2.5. Uh, Hornets covered that obviously. MVP of the game, I thought that Josh Giddy deserves MVP. So here's how Lockdown Thunder will work coming up. Subscribe for free across all podcasting platforms, including YouTube. Monday, Sixers recap. Tuesday, New Year's resolutions for every player on the roster. Wednesday, uh, Celtics recap. Thursday, Magic recap. Friday Mailbag Podcast. So a lot lined up for you over there, Locked on Thunder, on any podcasting platform that you can find, including on YouTube. So until Monday, be good and be good to one another.
1: Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked on Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.